Welcome to another episode of Much Ado About Economics. And as you can see, um, hello everyone. <laughs> as you can see, it's a little different today. Uh, last week we said that there was going to be a little surprise, but um, we ended up doing a different surprise. The actual surprise yeah. is next week. <laughs> it's postponed. The actual surprise is next week. We needed to do. Let's do it. Let's put it this way. We needed to do a trial run mm. uh, for how we might be running our guest sessions right because say we don't have guests who are in toronto or who are in the area we probably won't be able to get them on screen mm -hmm. like physically with us and plus because of social distancing and stuff we have to take care you have right? to be careful so the best yeah. way to do it is is on zoom mm -hmm. so we're just testing it out to see how the flare works and if we're able to get the quality that we need we i did go out so i'm so we're sitting in two different places right now yeah. um and i went out to get a mic to make sure that the audio that at least the audio that comes out is as crisp as it as it can possibly be yeah and of course like we're also this is something that we do on the side like we're going to i'm going to have a yeah. job soon you're also working and at times you know scheduling can hurt like it can be a scheduling exactly. nightmare but at the same time at the end of the day we got to do what you got to do you know so it's good exactly. yeah so hope you guys enjoy today for today's episode mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about oil yeah today is a very oily episode it's very oily <laughs> i should have oiled my hair <laughs> we should have both yeah just just put like coconut oil or something parachute amla dabar amla <laughs> Man, there were so many ads. Vatica. Oh, I used to use it. But oh my, yo, that 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 brand actually had so many different types of oil. Yeah, it did. Yeah, you know? I don't know, man. And we consume oil almost every day. You know, like because oil is an integral part of. Food. When I was younger, I saw this trend that I saw a lot of like, especially so oiling mm. your hair is really big in like South Asia and like in our communities. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot of people from our communities are bald, or mm. balding. Yes, isn't it kind of weird? Like that's. I mean, I would still oil my hair, but for for a little while, it put me off. Yeah, because ima imagine imagine it's actually the oil that's not doing any benefit to your hair. Yeah, but like, but like oil moisturizes your hair. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's like conditioner, but like pre shampoo mm. and conditioner kind of thing. Exactly. But anyways, we digress. Maybe it's because yeah, but it could also be because of the water. But yes, we digress. We digress. The point of today is that today we are talking about. Oil. crude oil and we're talking about crude oil we're not talking about the ones you put in your car because that is refined mm. we're talking about black gold yes that's what it's called and that's what it's when called. it's refined it has many different uses and purposes yep. it basically runs the world when you look at cars petroleum diesel mm. you look at jet fuel you look at tarmac yep. and asphalt crude oil has the plastics we make uh the ethanol that's used for I don't know a lot of makeup products. Yes, and right and of, plastics. And at the end, they like all type, the all type, almost all types of plastics are some sort of hydrocarbon chain. Yeah, and like majority of our electricity comes from oil. Exactly. How it works is right. a long story, and, but yeah, it's from oil. Yeah, different places produce different types of oil. Uh, you get you get a different type of oil from the North Sea versus a different type of oil from Alberta versus a different type of oil. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, yeah. they're all very different. They're all used for very different purposes. All have fairly different prices, um, and they are. But then you also have these big oil giants, right, whose economy survives on the import and export of oil. Essentially, the export of yeah. oil. 
and of course it also like it's there's also different qualities like for example the oil you get from the gulf of mexico is harder to refine mm-hmm. therefore it's more expensive exactly. to refine yeah. while the oil you get in saudi is very easy to extract and very easy to refine mm-hmm. And yeah. hence why they produce the most and why they have yeah. one of the reasons why they have a monopoly on it, kind of. Exactly. It, it, let's not call it a monopoly because obviously there are very other, they're also very big producers as well. Nigeria being one and of Russia. them. Um, and Russia and Iran who produce a lot of oil as well. Yeah. But Saudi Arabia takes the majority. Yeah. But of course, there's also, there's a lot of politics involved because, of course, it's the biggest energy source in the world. So of course, and whoever has the most of it can potentially have the most power. So we want to see exactly. more about that. That's also very true. And as a result, now we have this, this thing called OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum OPEC. Exporting Countries. And yeah. it's constituted of many countries, I think around mm-hmm. 2020. I think, yeah, I think there's there's quite a few countries. It was established in the early uh, 19... It was established, let's say, the mid-1900s. Yeah, there are 14 countries. Uh, just, because of, yeah. just because of all this uh, difficulty when it came to oil, then there were wars about oil. So just to ensure that there is a fair price yeah. in the oil market, a set of companies, which includes Saudi, Venezuela, uh, Kuwait, Iran, Iraq, got together to set up a thing called OPEC. Now countries have come and gone. And uh, right now the final list of countries includes stuff like Congo, uh, Nigeria, Gabon, Al- Angola, Algeria, Libya, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait. Yeah. Is Iran still part of it? I think Iran is still yeah, part it of is, it. Because it Iran is still one of the really big producers, right? Of it OPEC. is, but you know, like but, but there are frictions between Saudi and Iran. There's a, the whole... One of the reasons why there was a big price drop in 2013 was because there was too much supply in the market. And that was as a result of certain countries trying to push other countries out of the market as there are different costs in different countries. But yeah, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like what I think is, you know how in, in, when when you're looking at market structure and economics, they talk about how collusion is illegal because it turns into a cartel. But this is a definition of what a cartel, like it's not a cartel, but it is collusion. It They're, is like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah go a ahead. lot of countries like coming together and deciding on the price. That's collusion. Mm-hmm. And in, yeah. in, in a normal financial market situation, that's illegal. But in this situation, because it controls so much of the world and there's so much power imbalances and frictions that can occur, you have to set the price. Mm-hmm. Like remember a few, I think it was a few months ago where Saudi Arabia decided to up their production significantly of oil. Mm-hmm. And in economics terms, as supply increases, price drops. They drop the price enough to try and push away Russia and Iran from producing their oil so that Saudi Arabia maintains that edge, right? So that they can, they will pump out a lot of oil and then they'll, they'll decrease production significantly and get the price of oil back up yeah, again. So that is prime game theory right there to like to keep mm-hmm. keeping to able to keep your market share you have to be able to manipulate that yeah so that's what it is mm-hmm. and if you look at countries like saudi they their number one one and only source of income for the country is oil it's like over yeah. 90 other than other than religious tourism which happens every now and again and plus because of covid it's all you can't really exactly. do any religious tourism um oil has always been their primary um income yeah, right exactly because they are basically the largest exporters of oil they export billions of barrels a day yeah but did you know that an interesting thing is they don't have the biggest reserve in the world 
Mm. They don't. It's actually Venezuela. They don't. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's no, like I, I, I didn't know that. I assume that Saudi had the biggest reserve. Although I know they don't. That I was also surprised. Quite fast, and I know Canada has a lot of reserves as well. You know. No, but Venezuela historically have had the larger right? reserves. But why do you think that's mm-hmm. the case that they're not at the level of where Saudi is? It's because it's probably just the politics and just making sure that they're being pushed aside. Venezuela is a failed state. There's right? it's this whole cartel mindset. Yeah. So if if you have a rich economic resource, but you have an unstable government and politics, you will become a mm-hmm. failed state, even though you have the more, one of the most valuable resources in the world. You can look at right. not just in the case for oil. There are also many other countries. For example, Sierra Leone has diamonds and precious gems. Yeah. But yet they are struggling economically. Mm-hmm. There are many countries like that who right. have really good resources, but maybe don't have the infrastructure to refine, and then they get taken advantage to... of it. Exactly. Like the way the way China is taking advantage of a lot of East Africa. Yeah. Um, by establishing their factories and and those types of things, because. East Africa is very rich with natural resources. Yeah. And China wants to take advantage of those resources, but the the politician the politic the, the the country's stability in like East Africa's stability is not it's not stable. Exactly. It's cuz like certain that. countries like especially if you look at US and invasions of oil rich countries is because they want mm-hmm. to be able to have certain amount of influence over those countries so decisions can be made in favor exactly. of them. Right? Yeah. And in the 60s, in the 60s and 70s, USA was very aggressive mm-hmm. with that. And Venezuela became yeah. one of the victims of it. So exactly. It's, I mean, it's not just Venezuela. You look at Iraq, Iran, you look at Libya. Like, yeah. countries have meddled with them to a point there that, like, you know, they are now a failed state. And they're overly reliant on debt and other ways. Right. And yeah. there's a power void yeah, like, and whatnot. But that's going into it's politics. Just, it's, it's, it, it is it is going into politics, but like at, at the end of the day, it's just this whole idea of greed, right? That everybody just wants the best for their country yeah. without actually realizing the instability that it causes within other countries. Exactly. Right. And it benefits like there's a lot of money at play. Mm, definitely. Right? U.S. is one of U.S. Also, although U.S. exports a lot of oil, U.S. imports a lot of oil as well and puts it as reserves. Yeah. So what really happens is when there is a shortage in the market for oil, U.S. will start exporting all of the barrels that it saved at a significantly higher price and make back all of the money that they lost in importing the oil. Yeah, that's one of the ways that U.S. has tried to take advantage. In fact, so... Exactly. And... Yeah, yeah. continue. And even though... And like, if you think about it, all the oil that the U.S. Like China... Sorry, Canada also has a really big part of the U.S.'s US's oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they're the biggest importers of U.S. oil. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly, because yeah. obviously it's easier to access. It's right here, and there's a, the exactly, the NAFTA yeah. agreement and all that. So, it may, there's mm-hmm. no there's no big costs to it apart from just buying it off them. Yeah, that's true. Right, but yeah, like that's enough about OPEC. And then I want to talk more about like the pol- the political war of oil, and okay, so. But you, you know, you know, we usually don't talk about politics in this in this podcast. But let's do let's it. Do let's it. give let's give it a bit of a twist. It is because at the end of the day, it's still it's how politics ended up manipulating the economy. So I feel like it is still very important to talk right. about it because it's it's a it is a significant yeah. part, especially when it comes to oil and how. Like the thing is, the 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 problem with it's not I guess a problem, but the component of oil is that it's so significant in everyone's in in everyday life that politics just becomes 
just automatically comes with it. At the same time, wherever there is money involved, there's always going to be politics because mm-hmm. in any That's setting true. you look at, there are people who are trying to grab control. And in order to be successful, mm-hmm. you should be, you know, you want to be a go-getter. You want to take advantage of the opportunities. Yeah. And sometimes it comes at cost of yeah. others. And so there's a book exactly. I read not too long ago. It's a very, very interesting book. I highly recommend anyone who's interested to read in this. It's called Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. So mm. he uh, documented what he did during the 60s up until now. And he was part of that. Yeah that private company world that took advantage of petrodollars, for example, that took advantage of other countries mm-hmm. and put them in debt. So what he said was, yep. it was a book, it's a, it's a book about economic warfare and dominance, bringing nations to their knees. Yeah. It's like a form of death economy where the system is run by fear and debt. So private owners and companies basically rule the world. So like, for example, like obviously yeah. you can't, you know, like the age of war had passed. World War II was just, had just finished about 15, 20 years ago, right? So obviously now you mm-hmm. want to, stay away from war it's not that good for business as it used to be but you still want to be able to yeah, exert influence and dominance because it doesn't really benefit anyone like yeah i mean there like, is war business doesn't really war. benefit anyone it just like it does there's a lot of casualty there's a lot of issues that come up with war you know a lot of shortages here and there but uh, like government spending increases if you think about but there's it, a lot of there's um, a lot of transactions of the, there's a lot of business in war bro there is so much business exactly. like you look at arms race you look at arms dealing you look at like, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's work, the economy is working at hundred percent because the men have gone to war, the women are working. So your economy is at full capacity. Yeah. And all, all, so, always so after way, like a war, an, you, you had, there's always an economic boom. From, from an economic standpoint, war might be one of the best things to be in yeah. because you have so much government spending. Everyone is working. Everyone is consuming. There's a lot of investment going on because of all of these transactions that need to happen because the company is ramping up for war, yeah. right? Irrespective of what you're producing, I know that what you're producing may not be the best thing to produce. Like you don't want to be producing too much military equipment, Um, but you're going to be pushing on your agriculture because you need to export food to your soldiers, right? You need to be uh, improving your technology because there are other countries that are improving technology. So from from an economic standpoint and from a productivity standpoint, war might be one of the best situations in economy. But because of the casualties and what it did to to the people... Of course, we stopped. Yep. And now they had there was yep. support, there was another way of creating warfare, which is basically economic warfare. So what it was economic warfare. Like we got a very eye-opening perspective in the book that I'm talking about because it's this person, John Perkins. He used to work for them, and then it was yep. hurting. It was hurting his conscience to the point that now he wrote a book about it, trying to, to like spread the word about what's actually going on. So in, so there yep. was actually a part about oil, and mm-hmm. the main goal for the U.S. was to import the oil from Middle East, but make sure that all those petrodollars, the money used to buy the oil, came back to the U.S. And how did they do it? They did it through construction contracts. For example, before uh, before this, Saudi did not have Mm -hmm. like garbage trucks. Yeah. Garbage trucks. So you have garbage trucks and then you're like any other infrastructure, construction, all of that. And then, of course, you have equity investments. So basically what the U.S. did was they paid for the oil. The government Mm -hmm. paid for the oil. But then the private companies went there and took advantage of it. Okay, you have money, we can help you out. Let's make a contract, let's build some stuff yep. for you guys. And this was the first, and exactly. for them, it was perfect because Saudi basically became a cash cow for them. And another way, another thing is yep. that compared to the other countries that they did exploit, in the case mm-hmm. for Saudi, there was no debt, it was cash. They were paying with cash. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so basically they were even up till today, if you look at, if you read the book, you will see certain company names. You will still mm. see those names today in Saudi working, doing the same yeah. thing. Like it's all legal. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just like they're taking advantage. It's like it's business, but in the case of Saudi, of course, it's fine because Saudi has the money, but they did it to some countries that did not have the money but were desperate. They needed some sort of economic yep. relief and they, the U.S. came in and mm-hmm. said, okay, we'll, we'll do it for you. You can pay us in debt. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, and if you think about it, right, um, think about all the cars in Saudi. Like, when have you not seen an American car on the road? Exactly. People, suburbans, oof, suburbans everyone, everywhere. Everyone had an American car. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons is because these American cars and these American companies were there first and everybody has been following exactly. suit. So, I mean, of course, and the reason why the U.S. did this and to be able to create like a report with Saudi was because of the, mm-hmm. there was an oil crisis in 1973 where yep. Saudi basically said that we're going to stop producing it. And then, you know, like they mm-hmm. were in trouble. The U.S. were like, oh no, we need the oil. Yep. So what are you going to do? So mm-hmm. in order to stop that from happening, they re- reduced the hostilities between the countries and created that sort of partnership. That's why now, if you like, that's why right now, like for for as long as I remember, the currency exchange rate between Saudi and the U.S. is one dollar is equal to three point seven five rials. It's, it's pegged. pegged. It's it's it's, it's pegged. Of, so which so which means that this like the the strength of the Saudi rial is always linked to the strength of the U.S. Exactly. dollar, and it's because of right? oil prices. So if the U.S. If, exactly, and if the U.S. is importing more oil, then yeah, right. Or if, or if the U.S. is exporting more oil, it changes how strong this, the, the Saudi real exactly. is, right? But it still means that the U.S. can always import and export oil from, or import oil from yeah. Saudi at the exact same price every time, no matter what the price of oil exactly. is. So they'll always, like, it's always going to be stable like for the them. Conversion, the conversion is always the same. The U.S. in ways that are, yeah. exactly. It's benefiting both sides because it's like you have a future forward price kind of situation. Where no matter what the situation is economically, well, like, in, like yeah, the price of the oil itself will go up you, and down, but the conversion from real to yeah. dollar, dollar to real will stay the same. Because the future, essentially, the future price is always going to be the same. Yeah. There's no change in future exactly. price. So, yeah, right? but the book I'm talking about, there's a lot more as well, and I, especially you, bro, I really highly recommend you read it. It it opens your eyes to a whole different perspective of how the world yeah. works I'll, I'll definitely read this book and yeah. i'm i it seems it seems really worthwhile to take a look and it really helped it'll probably put a lot of things in perspective yeah as well. and it'll open your eyes to see the things that are happening around you like you you will notice certain things i mean it does give you a little more cynical perspective of the world but it's the reality mm-hmm. and you have to be aware of it and i feel like that is very important right i mean yes it's a little sad of course but mm-hmm. you can't avoid it right if it's happening it's happening yeah, at least true. you should know about it so yeah that was exactly that's one of the political sides of oil um Before, another yeah. interesting point i want to say is yeah. uh so us as we know has a huge reserve as well but the issue is it's very yeah. hard to refine and very hard to drill but recently hmm. in the past like 10 15 years they have found a method called shale yeah. So sure. in without mm-hmm. getting into too many specifics, it's basically they were able to find a lower cost way of of extracting and refining it through fracking. And mm-hmm. in September 2019, they made history for the first time by exporting more than they import for the first time. 
And this yeah. is scary for a country like o countries in OPEC and Saudi because it's your biggest customer now exporting more than they import from you. So you're about to lose exactly. you're about to lose a customer and you're increasing the supply. So that price drop is going to mm -hmm. be phenomenal. So of course that's it's going to be phenomenal and exactly and for countries whose as we said before for countries whose economy relies on yeah. oil it's going to become very very difficult for them to find more sustainable ways exactly. to like for ways to sustain because other than oil we have yeah. nothing now if we now if we look at it now if we take a let, let's take let's take a bigger world mm. view right let's take in let's take an environmental mm. perspective we're talking about people like we're talking about a generation who understands the effects of fossil fuels and how bad it is for the ozone layer and how bad it is for our environment yeah. and we're slowly slowly seeing these effects of climate change everywhere you know we've got melting ice caps we've got longer winters changes longer in climate summers. changes in flora and fauna mm -hmm. right so like and and we think about it and a lot and a lot of these car companies Let's let's assume let's assume that cars are are one of the major reasons for petroleum, right? So a lot of these car companies are realizing that petroleum isn't the future, mm. right? We have to move to more sustainable resources. Tesla is probably one of the biggest people who are doing electric cars. They've they've been electric cars for a very long time. Nissan's been doing electric cars. Ford's been doing electric cars. Uh, Toyota has been doing electric cars. Toy Toyota experimented with hydrogen at one point. Yeah, where in time. It, it came. And now it, we look uh... at. The byproduct was, was water, right? Like the exhaust would push out water. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. And now we look at General Motors, who is saying that everything is going to be completely electric by 2035. Yeah. Um, in central London, they've been pushing for, they've been pushing that central London will be all electric by, I believe, 2030. They first planned it for 2035, but then they brought it earlier to 2030, or it was 2030 and they brought it earlier to 2025. But something along mm. those lines. And also, like, right? so now all these countries. And also, like, yeah. General Motors announced that they would move to completely electric by 2035 as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like the pandemic obviously right? pushed it further because since no one was traveling, oil prices dropped even more. So, of course, so many oil exactly. countries were in trouble too. So, they got their eyes opened up to, okay, mm -hmm. we need to figure out a way to diversify. Yeah, like I mean, OPEC. Right. OPEC so, is in charge of eighty percent of oil production in the world. They are in trouble because, mm -hmm. like, it's still. Right. I feel like oil is gonna be here for a very long time, but out of mm -hmm. those fourteen, fourteen or so OPEC countries, and also the other countries, yeah. a lot of them are gonna start getting kicked out. A lot of them will have to stop relying on I, it. Yeah, I think a lot of countries will very soon have to start, you know, diversifying themselves and trying to find different ways for getting energy because i think energy is going to be that commodity that everybody that that people are going to fight over you know the way water is something that people like people talk about you know what the next the next world war is going to be about on yeah. water it might actually be on energy just because and i don't mean energy in the sense that you know like i mean energy in, in the sense of electricity most of the stuff yeah. we use runs on electricity. The lights, our phones, laptops, everything runs on and electricity. now more than ever. So at the end of the day, exactly, now more than ever. So if electric cars are the future, we need more and more electricity. Mm -hmm. And if fossil fuels or petroleum isn't the way forward with electricity, these countries have to really figure out other means and ways to get yeah. into that, right? Like if you look at Canada, um, a lot of our energy comes from hydropower. Yeah. So a certain percentage, I think the majority of our electricity comes through hydropower and then the other remainder comes from coal or natural gas or something along yes. those lines. 
right? And Canada has been pushing this whole carbon tax concept, mm -hmm. you know? So what I mean by a carbon tax is every time you go to the fuel pump, a certain percentage of that money goes to, goes as tax. And every year they're pushing for this tax to be increased by a certain amount. Yeah. So by, I think it's 2024, they're talking about 11, 12, 13% on this increase in taxes. Yeah. You know, we're looking like an ad valorem tax, which is essentially a percentage tax based on the amount you consume. And that percentage is going to be increased higher and higher and so higher. It, as so it makes you less inclined to buy a, an, a petrol guzzling car and go more economic. Yeah, yeah. to reduce a carbon footprint. You, you, it, it, pushes, it pushes people to, this, to, 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 to get to this carbon footprint, right? But then it creates, a, for a period of time, it creates a deadweight loss. Yeah. Right? So like now we're now we're getting more into the economics of it. Um, when you look at when well when we look at a graph of supply and demand as as the taxation changes, there's a shift in either the supply or the demand curve based on how easy it is to change the supply or mm. demand. I think in terms of petroleum, I think it's easier to change the demand than it is to change the supply. Mm. Yeah, I mean in in a in a like within a country, yes. But like, of course, like if you look at worldwide, like right. globally, then I feel like supply is more powerful because mm -hmm. you can control supply more. But yeah, I mean, I get your point though. Like within I, yeah. the country for, for people in a country, it's more easy to change demand because you mm -hmm. just make it more expensive. Yeah, that's true. You can, you change, you change demand, it becomes more expensive and therefore it's harder for people. Log logically speaking, it's harder for people, people to buy, buy petroleum. Mm -hmm which in a way reduces people's reliance on petroleum because like right now compared to three years ago, right now you see more electric cars on the road, yeah. right? And that's just because of the increase in availability of electric yeah. cars. So in a, in a way, the carbon tax is working, but if the carbon tax was not working in conjunction with other suppliers of electric cars, then you wouldn't really have a change in that demand. Yeah. Like people will still need it. Demand is inelastic. Know? I mean, yeah, for the time being, if you look yeah. at it, like as long as there are planes in the air, electric cars are expensive and the infrastructure lags behind it. Like for example, like getting putting up chargers at petrol station, turning gas stations to charging yeah. stations. That's going to take a long time. I mean, yes, it's happening. It's happening in North America at a very rapid pace. It's happening in Europe. But look at countries like India, even Saudi, how long it will take for them to like keep up with that like yes you can have electric cars you can build your own house and have a charger at home but what if you want to take a road trip and you go to somewhere where there is yeah. no charging stations so for now i think right? at least for the and, next and 50 or so years maybe even maybe 30 at least oil is here to stay mm -hmm. and in fact and oil after is, the pandemic yeah. there is going to be a boom because traveling restrictions are going to ease everyone's going to start flying again going on yeah. vacations and whatnot so there is going to be a boom for now and i feel okay. like if you're an oil reliant country you are you you mm -hmm. should take that opportunity to diversify because you're going to make a lot of money from it and then you should use yep. that money those petro dollars to invest and build yeah. new infrastructures for new industries that you could create so you can look at tourism you can create a financial hub or like or look That's for true. other resources so like for example saudi has gold right the uh, the other thing is you can also sort of divest from fossil fuels and try and move towards other more renewable yeah. energy sources like if you think about if you think about saudi mm -hmm. for a minute how much sun do we have we have sun almost or saudi has sun oh, yeah. almost every yeah. single day so just imagine the amount of solar energy you could harness by having sun 365 exactly. days a year 
right now you're not just that this doesn't this doesn't mean that you have enough energy to provide for your own country but you have enough energy to provide for significantly yeah. more people so rather than just exporting oil you can export energy you can export electricity in batteries do the mm-hmm. research and figure out ways that you can transport energy or electricity in these batteries exactly yeah now it's come to um, like now i feel like the most successful countries are going to come from places where there's most research and development i feel like those who are yeah. investing the most in the future in terms of renewable energies and mm. other especially in the, yeah. in the sense of energies or in the sense of diversifying their economies they should be the ones mm-hmm. they will be the ones who would take over next so saudis are at a crossroads here right yeah. now you know how like they're trying to have this uh, vision 2030 and everything i feel like it's they're trying to take steps into that direction as well so it's positive in yeah. in that sense like but there's still an issue of youth unemployment and reliance on immigrants mm-hmm. and all that and expatriates that's true so they are at a crossroads a lot of hard times will come like, very like if you soon look at it, for oil reliant countries mm-hmm. exactly like if you look at it saudi saudi recently it has announced that by the end of this year there's going to be a formula 1 race within in yeah. saudi arabia which is which is great because they're trying to rely on something other than yeah oil but if you look at covid and say that say that covid happens again in let's like god forbid but let's say something like covid happens again within the next within we'll our lifetime again the whole reliance on tourism just gets messed up like think let's look at dubai for an example how many recessions has dubai gone through within the past 10 so years so many and that's why that's why so even many, during the right? pandemic they stayed uh, open they didn't really lock down yeah they didn't really lock down so if something like covid can completely destroy your tourism industry countries need to realize that tourism isn't the way to go yes it's great to have tourism some people have some beautiful resources like like think of, think about kenya man this this the safaris yeah. are beautiful but kenya can't rely purely yeah. on tourism so that's what i'm saying they have to diversify they need to have different store sources like like for example kenya is also a biggest big exporter of tea of horticulture right yeah. and then and they have tourism yeah. as well then they have um they have a port so they need every country needs to take advantage of everything that they have they need to maximize their potential but in order to do that they need investments yeah. so that's why i think that the oil that's countries true. have a lot of have a big advantage because they have a lot of they have an opportunity to invest they have the opportunity to okay yeah. we have we're still getting oil money yes right now the prices mm-hmm. are low it's it's a lot harder but yep. at some point yep. it might get better for a little while and that's the opportunity to like mm-hmm. invest get something open up something yep. else create a new industry or something or the other mm-hmm. i mean yeah. they should have been doing it for a long now, time now but maybe it might be too late but that's let's true. see that is true now let's let's bring it back a little bit towards mm-hmm. canada um if you think about it from from one perspective um the carbon tax and all that is 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 a bad thing right but the idea of the increase in oil prices as you assume let's say assume that the supply has remained constant okay so since since the us has started producing oil and exporting oil using the shale concept plus everything that opec does let's assume that the supply has remained constant since the start of 2021 mm. okay and now the price of oil is going mm. up okay uh, which suggests that there's going to be an economic like yeah. rebound okay but again we have to realize that in canada there's this carbon tax so will the price of oil actually suge- be a factor in canada's economic rebound 
from the COVID pandemic, like from from the COVID. That's a very good question. That could be possible because I've seen what's happened. I see what can happen from an oil increase. Because when I was in Saudi and they increased the price of oil, a lot of people struggled because a lot of people go day by day. Like, okay, I will fill up two liters of gas, two liter of gasoline, and I'm gonna use it for Mm -hmm. the next few days. And then I'm going to be able to yep. refill it again for that price. And then they like take mm-hmm. the amount that way. Like, yeah, okay, maybe middle middle to high class, it won't make a difference to them. But if you look at like the lower yeah, middle and low, lower class, they're going to struggle. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. They will. And yeah, and Canada is one of the largest importers of U.S. oil. So if the price in the U.S. is also going up, then people in Canada will have to be paying more and but more that for means- oil. Which could they will increase that, wages. Which which could increase inflation in it Canada. It can because they're gonna. So if prices are getting higher, obviously you're gonna ask for a higher wage. So the minimum wage is gonna rise, and because because there's an economic yep. boom, wages will rise. Everything prices will rise. Yeah, inflation. That can that's a danger for inflation. Inflation, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, and maybe maybe right now because if you think about it in this way, we are at a point where we need inflation to help boost our mm-hmm. economy. But too much inflation, hyperinflation is really yeah, bad for Yeah, because that loses the value of cash in hand. Right? So then even if yeah. we have this carbon tax and the price is going up, do you think the carbon tax might be a hindrance to our growth or our recovery? Mm, I mean, you could say that about any type of taxation, to be honest. Because, okay, so you if you do have a tax, if you do have a carbon tax, that means government has revenue. If government mm-hmm. has revenue, that means they will be also yeah. spending. So they need to be able to, so That's for example, true. like they should use that money they get from carbon tax to create infrastructure for electric vehicles. So that means have more charging stations. That's maybe true. maybe even mm-hmm. subsidize or remove tax from electric vehicles. For example, like if you're buying an electric vehicle, you're tax mm-hmm. exempt. So you create that incentive for people. So if yeah. you're going to be doing a carbon tax, you have to have a whole system of how you can get people from, like it's not just deterring people from using fossil fuels, but from but to incentivize them to move away from fossil fuels and move towards another different energy source, for example, electric vehicles. Exactly. So it has to be a full-phased yep. plan that they need to implement, or else they will be stuck mm-hmm. in inflation. And and that might also be difficult because of how much the government has actually done spending for COVID. Yeah. Right. Like the government has done a lot. The government has done a lot of spending for COVID in the sense that there have been a lot of programs and a lot of incentives for businesses to stay open for people who have lost their mm. jobs. Um, and Canada has been trying to do a lot of these programs to help make sure that the economy does not fall significantly. But if the carbon tax exists and the carbon tax keeps increasing every year as the oil prices go up, then it means that the, like that, that might actually be a hindrance. Cause let's look at like, let's look at HST, GST and, 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 and income tax, right? These are still figures that are fairly fixed. HST, GST hasn't changed mm-hmm. for a very long time. It's been at 13% and it's been yeah. at 13%, right? Yeah. But the carbon tax is increasing and it's not increasing linearly, it's increasing exponentially. Mm. That's true, because the percentage. Yeah. So could that suggest some sort of hindrance for growth? For like some hindrance to Especially growth? Especially if you take into account how many people move out of, let's say for example, Toronto, and they live outside and commute every day for two hours in a car. So mm-hmm. it, you have to start asking the question, is it worth paying that much money for gas? 
in order to get to work. Is it exactly? But then, then again, they're just gonna. So then, and that's what will happen is they're gonna ask for a higher wage or a higher salary. Like, okay, you need to compensate for yep. this now, because or else I'm not making mm-hmm. any money. And if Canada doesn't have that 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 infrastructure to be able to support people if they move out of town, right? Let's say let's say that a lot of people let's say people start moving from, I don't know, downtown towards let's say let's say a place where there isn't any public transport. Okay, or public transport is very rare. They still need to maintain mm. cars. And if and because of COVID and work from home, a lot of people have moved out of the city. It means that more and more people have to have yeah. cars so that they can commute yeah. if need be. But of course, more and more people are going to start buying either hybrids or more economic cars. I mean, it's still possible to live mm. with it because you can, I mean, you could just give up your dream of buying a Corvette and just buy a Prius, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Like you a lot could. of people can just do that, get a very cheap car and do that. I feel like carpooling will be a thing as well. And there'll be yeah. a rise in, say, Ubers everywhere. Like there are other ways that are possible. But at the end of the day, I feel like, yes, mm-hmm. this is this can have a bad impact in the short term. But if Canada has a full-fledged true. plan to phase it out and phase in a new new source of transportation for example having either better public transport systems or getting having a tax exemption on electric vehicles in the long term this is something that they have to do right and yes i know covid had had a massive impact on the economy however if there is once everything is eased out and everything is back to normal then in that case Mm -hmm. the economy itself is going to grow there will be like an there's going to be a domino effect of, okay, everyone's economy is going to grow, people will earn more money, people will spend mm-hmm. more money, mm-hmm. and that means government will get more taxes. Because yeah. right now, people are not spending mm-hmm. money. The reason they had the stimulus program was so people can spend money. Because what makes yeah. what what makes the, the wheel of the, if the economy more turn is money cycle. Is, is, is the a consumption. consumption. It's a cycle of money that yeah. people are paying and buying things. Yeah. And that's what gets the yeah. economy going. And less and less leakages, right? Because savings savings are considered yeah. as leakages and we don't want leakage we don't want leakages we want the cycle we want money to exactly. keep flowing but at the end of the day I, f- I still think even during the pandemic there has been a lot of consumption if you look at in terms of housing market the, i think was it march they yeah. they recorded a like a record high increase in prices people are yeah, sig- yeah. significantly a lot of places uh, there's been there's been a lot of places further out from the gta that have seen significant increases in prices so i mean this could be in terms of like a change in perspective of living in the city number one because that's happening in new york as Mm -hmm. well new york is dead right now there's no one in new york yep and i think it's similar is have similar thing Mm -hmm. is happening here as people are realizing that there's no point in being here rather just move away get a better get paid less for a bigger house it just makes sense yeah right so Mm -hmm. On I one agree. hand, there is money being saved there, which can be put into that carbon tax. So I feel like there's going to be like a yep. restructuring of your budget as a consumer in order to incorporate that. Mm-hmm. So I still think, yep. I believe that the carbon tax, even though it's growing exponentially, yes, there are going to be some aches and pains. There's going to be a lot of complaining. There's going to be a lot of mm-hmm. adjustments made. Mm-hmm. But I think it can still be incorporated mm-hmm. and it can still be, we can work with it. Yeah. 100%. I agree. I think, like, I think that the carbon tax is a great initiative to try and push yeah. people away. Maybe it could be implemented slightly differently. Maybe there needs to be a bit of a restructuring with how the carbon tax is implemented in terms of like taking into the account 
taking into account um, the rise, the improvement of electric car infrastructure, mm -hmm. the improvement of electricity infrastructure, upgrading or switching from, uh, let's say, 50, 60% uh, renewable energy production to more like 80, 90% renewable energy uh, production. Mm -hmm. If the government starts to phase in all of these different little bits yeah. and pieces, the carbon tax will improve its efficiency. Exactly. Or so there has to be a parallel plan intact. And so like yeah. there has to be something that this carbon tax money is going into, apart from just the normal day-to-day mm -hmm. -day business that a government does. It has to be used yeah. somewhere that can actually help people. Like it, when we see, when we're paying the carbon tax, we can see why we're paying for it as mm -hmm. people of Canada. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that does makes make sense. sense. Yeah. So yeah. Now I think I think this this brings us quite nicely to the end of our the end of the episode. Yeah. Um I hope you guys enjoyed our episode. I know it might have been a little bit dry, but it was kind it was of oily, oily. Yeah. if you think about it. It's it was very smooth. It was oily. <laughs> yeah. It yes, was. it was. Like butter. Oh, no. Like oil. There you like go. Like oil. Oil is also yeah, but like, tell us what you think about oil. Like, how long do you think we're gonna be on this? Because I think we still have at least another fifty years. I don't think the reserves are that depleted. I, I, like, I I agree with you as well. I think that it will take some time for the reliance of oil, like for us to to become less and less reliant mm -hmm. on oil. But I don't think that it's going to be fifty years. I think it's going to be much less of mm -hmm. a time, because. I think a lot of countries, especially a lot of city centers, will follow similar to the way UK is implementing the idea of electric yeah. cars. Um, and also, I think a lot of manufacturers are realizing that electric cars are definitely the, definitely the future, and that is where we need to put our money. That's into. true. And a lot of manufacturers are putting out electric cars. Yes. So I think there will be a time where, and that time will be quite soon, where a lot of the components a lot of the things that use petroleum will not be using petroleum mm. anymore and i think that's going to be a much rapid um adaptation to that a much rapid adaptation just because i think there's a lot of pressure from the from people like us on governments and on companies to increase the sustainability, sustainability in the world investment. you look at universities uh doing protests against their endowment funds to stop investing in fossil fuels. Yeah. We have people who are pushing for exactly. carbon tax and carbon footprints. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's happening. Yep. Like there is a turn that is, it is, there is going to be a revolution, mm -hmm. but let's also see how the politics plays out. I feel like it's a big, it, yeah. it's, it might find a way to stop it or at least slow it down for the time being like it has. That's possible too. But I feel like, companies revolutionary companies like tesla like elon musk he's gonna stop at nothing so yeah i don't i don't like i don't think elon musk may be the only person but he is definitely one of the revolutionaries who are going to try and push this whole concept of electric of of moving to more renewable yeah, sustainable sources. sources like for example like the yes a price of an electric car is higher than the price of a normal car a petrol car but the money you pay in petrol over time means shows that you're going to pay more for that car than you are for an electric car because once you buy an electric car you just have to that find chargers it's like having a full exactly. device but obviously there will be a time where you have to pay per kilowatt of energy that you use to charge because there is a huge market yeah. in there too right it's going to become like fuel stations 
but it's going to become but it will become more accessible it will hopefully it will be significantly cheaper than fuel because we will figure out ways to produce enough electricity to supply these cars without going into more and more yeah, fossil especially fuel. if it's renewable energy then perfect so it's basically an infinite source exactly because essentially renewable energy is almost like an unlimited yeah, source of energy exactly yeah right so that's, yeah that's that's opec and oil industry in a nutshell Hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah, that that was that was a fun episode. Yeah. I like this. This wasn't bad. I think. I think the video call worked I think pretty so well. Too. I don't. Did you have any? Um, there was a little stutter here and there, but I, I it wasn't it wasn't bad. I didn't have any issues with it. Yeah, I don't think yeah, it was bad that was either. Good. I, I don't think it was bad either. I just hope Zoom does what it's yeah. supposed to do. Like we tested it and it was fine, so I don't think it'll really cause yeah. any issues. Yeah. Yeah, but I and I think even the audio was clear between us. I don't. I didn't. I never felt a time where uh, it was, it cut, like, I never felt a time where it seemed like your audio quality dropped or anything. Okay, that's good. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe. If yeah. And, and I hope you didn't feel the same for you. Like, it didn't, it wasn't the same for you. No, nah, it was good. Well. It was fine. I, hopefully, yeah, this, this, okay. hopefully, hopefully this is a good. nice way we could bring in more guests, um, not just based yep. here in Toronto or Canada, but everywhere else, you know, because it's very important to. Yeah. Sort of broaden exactly. the, broad the perspective and bring all kinds of people that we can here. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, next week we have a big surprise. Do you think we should tell them the surprise now? Yes. Or we should just wait? No, I think I think we should wait. I think we should wait and let that all surprise right. happen. Awesome. I'm pretty excited for next week. It's going to be really nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited too. I really hope it goes well. All right, guys. Take care. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll take see care. you next week. Bye. Bye.